Hi, it's Jamie. And I'm Portia. And we are Just Two Pearls. Join us for Adventures in Pearls. Greetings, Pearls. We have quite the show for you today. But to start off, I am going to share a poem called Invitation to Love. And this poem is by one of the most prominent African-American poets of the late 19th and early 20th century, Paul Lawrence Dunbar. And it goes like this. Come when the nights are bright with stars or when the moon is mellow. Come when the sun his golden bars drops on the hay field yellow. Come in the twilight soft and gray. Come in the night or come in the day. Come, O oh love, whenever you may. And you are welcome. Welcome. You are sweet, O oh love, dear love. You are soft as the nesting dove. Come to my heart and bring its rest as the bird flies home to its welcome nest. Come when my heart is full of grief or when my heart is merry. Come with the falling of the leaf or with the reddening cherry. Come when the year's first blossom blows. Come when the summer gleams and glows. Come with the winter's drifting snows and you are welcome. 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 An invitation to love. I love that, Jamie. That's so good. You know, I'm from church, you know, because when you said an invitation, I thought you were going to say an invitation to discipleship. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) I was like, I'm sure that's not where she's going, even though um, the invitation to discipleship to receive God's love is important. Um, Yeah. I didn't think that's where you were going. (laughs) (laughs) Not on this episode. Oh, that's so funny. But it's all good, though, because speaking of invitations to discipleship, um, you know, we're going to have a really great episode for y'all today um, about some pastors who are in love and in ministry. And so my adventure today is actually going to be about my experience going to the double love experience. So this is an invitation to their discipleship, (laughs) if you would. So, um... Back in, um, actually, you know what, child, I don't even remember what month it was, but I'm going to say it was October, and I'm going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to co-sign that it was October. You, you're right. That was, a, that was the first service. It was in October. Was it really? So you're right. Yeah. Okay, great. So look at God. Okay, working it out for me. Thank you, Holy Ghost. See, an invitation to the Spirit. So catch that on the way home. So the, the Lord impressed upon my heart, you know, to continue to support people in ministry. I love worship, okay? I love worship. I love church. I love, you know, a good word. But, you know, every now and then, you know, you want to experience something, you know, else. Not to say that I don't love my church because I I love where I work. I love where I worship. But at the same time, as a preacher, as a pastor, my soul needs to get fed, okay? And so there are these moments where I'm like, Lord, do Jesus. Like, I need to be able to go worship. That's not necessarily me pouring out, but me being poured into. And when you're constantly pouring out from Sunday to Sunday to Sunday, 52 times a year, um, 100 and, uh, 100 and 
uh, four times if you do multiple services like myself. You're pouring all the time, and so you need moments that are going to pour back into you. So our dear beloved friends and colleagues in ministry have begun a church start called the Double Love Experience. And so I decided, not just as a great clergy colleague, friend, and supporter of what black people are doing, whatever they're doing it, I also knew that my soul needed something. And so my soul needed to be in a space where I could worship and I didn't have to be on. And so the double love experience for me, when I went on that launch day in October of 2018, I went on the train. I got myself to Brooklyn. It was quite the adventure because I had no idea where I was going. Um, most of the time I drive into the city, but this is the time I was like, you know what, I'm going to just take the train. And it was cold, honey. It was a cold day in October. But anyway, I got my good wig. I put on my good coat. And I said, we're going to be out here. We're going to be fly walking these books in the streets. So I get there, and um, I had such a great time. The worship was so amazing. Um, you, you, it just takes you away. And so Pastor Wilkes's have created a space to where people literally can concentrate on God and God alone because the lights are dimmed and it's very intimate and it's very – and it was packed, by the way. Let me mind you, it was packed, jam-packed to the mess. The fire marshal could have shut it down. Praise God it didn't. But it was packed and just full of people um, just worshiping God, who love God, who, who were thirsty for words. The Pastor Wilkes did a joint uh, co-sermon together. That was wonderful. It's actually, you can find it on live stream. It was so good. And I went home feeling amazing. Someone actually told me that they could hear me on the live stream just saying, yes, amen, uh-huh, who just, you know, who can hear me in the background because, you know, I'll talk to you. If you preach, I'll talk back to you. You know, I understand. I help the preacher. I love talking back. I love interactive preaching um, and engagement during worship. You know, that's what helps cultivate the worship experience. But anyway, um, I had such a great time. I felt so warm and welcome. Their hospitality team was amazing. The, the, the worship, the music, the singing, the preaching, it was all very, very important to have a, a space where people can gather together to worship rooted in, in the love of God and social justice to be able to not have all of the pomp and circumstance, but just feeling very welcome as they come as you are space. Um, and sometimes I, I say I would really like the balance of a place that I can just go and just be um, that gives me the ease, not necessarily the theology of, but the ease of a hill song, but still the richness of the prophetic tradition that I have grown up in, um, at my home church at Mount Erie, interning at Trinity, and now being at Bethany, I wanted all of that. And so the double love experience gave me all of that, um, and I'm very grateful, and I'm super excited for the work that the Pastor Wilkes are doing. And they're going to share that with us on this episode, um, but not just about their pastoral journey, but just who they are. And so, um, yes, if you are in the New York, Brooklyn area, you're going to hear us say this all throughout the episode. But really, if you can come, uh, go, go, go go, go 
the Devil of Experience. Um, they are in their preview year, and they officially will be launching um, in the future. Uh, well, hopefully, I think it's weekly. Um, and uh, if you want to go to the preview service, if you're in the area and you want to like, hey, you want to go, um, go. Check them out. They do dinner, um, dinners as well. So uh, I'm really excited about this episode with Pastor Wilkes. Go ahead and go right into the interview, shall we? Hey, Pearls, we are back with yet another great interview lined up for you all. We have with us joining us today the two and only Pastor Wilkes. We have Pastor Gabby Cudjo Wilkes and Pastor Andrew Wilkes, and they together are Team Wilkes, and they are the pastors, the lead pastors of the Double Love Experience in Brooklyn, New York. And so just to give you a little bit of background about them, if you've heard the episode that we had with Andrew, you will be a little bit familiar, Pastor Andrew, but I'm going to refresh your memory. Pastor Andrew Wilkes is the principal of the Wilkes Advocacy Group and co-leader of the New Church Start, the Double Love Experience in Brooklyn, New York. We know that he is the author of the recent publication, Freedom Notes. We know that he is a graduate of Princeton Theological Seminary and currently in a Ph.D. program for political, in political science at the City University of New York Graduate Center. We know that he has been featured in The Guardian, The Huffington Post, we know that he has been in Sojourner's Magazine. We know that he is the convener of Stand with Black Women and Girls, a national public education campaign to promote the well-being of black women and girls through liturgy, po uh, policy options, public action, and digital engagement. So Pastor Wilkes, he is all things to so many people, but most importantly, he is the partner to the one and only Pastor Gabby Cudjoe Wilkes, and she is a licensed minister who is situated at the intersection of faith and culture, leadership, and strategy. Pastor Gabby is one of the founding lead pastors of the Double Love Experience, as we shared, which is based in Brooklyn, New York. She's also very much committed to the work of social justice, both domestically and abroad. She is a holder of a Master of Divinity from the illustrious Yale University Divinity School. You know, I'm biased, y'all, because, you know, that's Jamie and I, alma mater. She's also a graduate of Hampton University, as also Andrew. She is published in the book Mr. President, Interfaith Perspective on the Historic Presidency of Barack H. Obama. And so we're so grateful to have these published pastoral faith and justice, black loving pastors all the way coming to us from around the world, but right now in Brooklyn, New York. So without further ado, let's give a pearly, pearly welcome to our dear friends and colleagues, Pastor Gabby and Andrew Wilkes. Welcome. Thank you all so much for such a warm welcome. Thank you, indeed. I, I can run on and see what the end will be. I appreciate it. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. We're so glad that you are here with us. I mean, we could go on and on and on about how wonderful you all are, but we're going to leave that to you all to sharing just about your story. And so first and foremost, how did y'all even get here? You know, what's your backstory, your love story, which all started on the campus of the Hampton University? <laughs> Well, you know, since you, since you said the Hampton University, I might as well wave into uh, another, what I hope is a two-protracted uh, debate, and say the real HU, uh, where I, um, on our sophomore year, 
there was a, a, a wonderful um, woman, brilliant, uh, beautiful, uh, who I could envision a, uh, a future with, and I didn't know if that was a mutually shared vision. And so I, uh, you know, uh, decided one day to share my feelings with her, and uh, uh, gratefully and thankfully she uh, seemed to, I don't know, it, it, I guess it resonated. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say. I also have a little bit of an aside to add that I know Portia will appreciate. There's a Spellman connection to our Hampton love story that I know Portia will be excited about giving her beloved alma mater. But um, the summer before we started Hampton, I was actually deciding between attending Hampton or Spelman um, for my bachelor's. And I met with somebody from the administration at Spelman and ended up telling them I chose Hampton. And that person uh, told me that her nephew was going to be starting at Hampton and gave me his email address and said that we should connect. And um, that woman happened to be my wonderful now aunt, Myra Burnett, who is Andrew's aunt. Um, so I always say that even though we didn't start dating till the end of our sophomore year at Hampton, I feel like Myra kind of, you know, put us put us on each other's radar because we talked that whole summer after high school before we started um, college, and even though it took us a couple of years to actually become a couple, um, you know, we definitely already knew each other and kind of knew some things about each other before we got to Hampton, so she kind of cleared the cleared the field for us a little bit, so I, I have to add Spellman into our Hampton, so it's just an HBCU love story, put it like that. Yes, yes. Incredible, I love it, and it's kind of, it's almost a high school love story. You all were talking before college even started, I love it. And so as you progressed through your time at Hampton, a lot of um, folks, I'm sure, had opinions about that with the two of you being so young and so committed to each other. So how did you traverse that experience of being young and in love and planning out a future together? That's a a really great question. Uh, um, You know, I I can recall um, in our early 20s, of the time when uh, a lot of my uh, peers um, were um, either dating or not dating and uh, involved in, uh, uh, shall we say, maybe less than, 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 than steadfast and, and, and fully uh, above the board relationship. Uh, and, and, and so a lot of times there was a kind of uh, skepticism uh, in some quarters, ridicule that folks had. So part of how, um, at least on, 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 on my end, and, and curious to hear uh, Gabby's side, I navigated that moment. I uh, was trying to have some sense of connection to folks who had a similar perspective on wanting to, um, you know, when you, when, you, when you found the one that your soul must have, uh, I, I guess that's a kind of a riff on, on, on our, our dear late Reverend Dr. Katie Cannon. You know, you want to commit. And uh, that was my story, and I, 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 I'm stuck to it, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's really interesting because um, we were 19 when we started dating, and um, that's pretty young, you know, all things considered, to be so committed as we were. Um, we dated for five years before getting married, so we dated 
um, from 19 to 24. And I just remember it wasn't so much ridicule as much as it was women who, in my life, who were older than me or my age, who had just been harmed by a lot of relationships, who were a little suspicious of me being exclusively committed to Andrew at such a young age and them kind of feeling like those are the years that you're supposed to kind of cast your net wide just in case a guy breaks your heart or a guy makes it seem like he's serious but he doesn't follow through. And so, you know, a lot of the conversations that were happening on my end were just of women who kind of didn't want me to put all of my eggs in that basket, so to speak, even though they felt like Andrew was a great guy. They just didn't know a lot of men that at that young age, you know, really followed through on commitment. So, um, you know, uh, it, it was a little a little challenging because, you know, we knew that we knew each other and we valued other people's advice, but we couldn't let that cloud, you know, what we knew about each other's character. And that's really how we made our decisions to, to stay committed to each other and, to, you know, to stay in relationship with each other. So... With all of this good love and relationships, you know, uh, Pastor Andrew, you said, you know, have the have, and I'm like, yes, that that's very good right there. <laughs> you know, I could I could sip on that all day and be like, the love my soul must have. Like my, I'm getting excited on the inside. I wish you could see my face. <laughs> but but because of that. What are some, or who, not just what, but who are some of the models that you all have in your life that help you cultivate that love that your soul needs to continue to have? Who are some of those models? Like, who are your influences? Who are your inspirations as you do the work of justice and ministry and love, like all of that? Like, so who do you look up to? Ooh, good question. Um, I'll start internally. Um, I am really blessed to have an age gap between my sister and me. We're 15 years apart, which is, like, enough age to almost have grown up as, like, only siblings, but we're close enough that we really do have a sisterhood. And so um, in that, I actually got a chance to see my sister um, meet her husband. Um, They met while they were in law school and got married afterwards and um, have been able to watch their love story unfold from when they were in their early 20s to now they're in their late 40s and um, have really been able to see, like, all of those steps and stages. And so even though I come from um, a divorced household, I had the blessing of being young enough to watch my sister make decisions that I wanted to uh, replicate. And so they um, still are. They've been married 22 years now. They got married in 96 so it's coming up on 23 years, they are still um, my, my, my most immediate and most dominant um, model for, for marriage, for love and marriage. And they also model equity really well um, in their relationship. I, I'd say on, on my end, uh, a couple things. One, my, my parents, um, who are both um, – uh, physician, uh, both uh, ophthalmologists, uh, eye doctors at that, and uh, they came to Atlanta and decided to uh, practice uh, together. Um, sometimes uh, physicians, you know, for understandable reasons, may decide to practice separately, but they made a commitment to, to practice together. They met in med school, and uh, throughout um, my childhood, I, I can just remember them, you know, really trying to embody a sense of um, sharing 
um, love, sharing, a sense of commitment to uh, our heritage and, and who we are as, as black people. Uh, and uh, that that made a, a real strong impression on me. And then secondly, I, I think of many of the um, couples that I recall seeing at um, – my my childhood home of of, of faith, uh, the Zion Hill Baptist Church, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, and there's one couple in particular. I think of Reverend uh, Daniel Tarvin and Reverend Pamela Tarvin. Um, he uh, was a pamphlet before he became a, um, a clergyman, and and she, uh, Reverend Pam Tarvin, ran uh, the Youth Fleet for Christ and did so much of the, the outreach ministries. And just seeing how they were, you know, deeply human as well as profoundly committed to Christ, um, they they kind of stand as lodestars for, for me in that regard. I would also say this is a little bit um, uh, against the grain, but my mom was actually a model for me, even though she and my father divorced when I was very young, because she helped to really show me very clearly, like, what to look for that is healthy and that's positive, and she was just you know, a strong advocate for really, like, talking me through, like, you know, I could be married, but, you know, I refuse to accept X, Y, and Z, you know, and if that means that I'm not, you know, partnered, then so be it. And, you know, the way that she really uh, taught me through, you know, some of the decisions that she made in her life, um, she used that as a model for me as well. So I was kind of blessed to have my sister who was in a marriage um, that was working, but I also had, like, kind of the cliff notes from my mom whose marriage, you know, didn't last, but she was able to deposit so much in me about what to look for and, you know, how she would do things um, differently, you know, at, at with the knowledge that she then had. So I don't think you always have to have – I think it's great to have couples, but I don't think we have to ignore the wisdom of, of folks who – um, are single. I think I think wisdom comes from so many different mm-hmm. places right. when you're okay. trying to figure out what it looks like, what 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 a healthy relationship looks like for yourself. Right. I think that's a really important point, Gabby. And we talked on our most recent episode about loving ourselves and having to create that wholeness within ourselves. And it sounds like your mother modeled that for you because even when we are in partnerships and and love is beautiful we still need to have that self-love. We still need to know who we are in God, uh, who we are as ourselves before we can be a full partner to anyone else. So I think that is a beautiful model that your mother set for you. But, Andrew, I feel like you almost anticipated my next question when you were talking about this model you saw with your parents who were able to be in business together and these um, pastors who were married to each other Um, Let's transition a bit away from your personal story to just the way that you all are just total superheroes being in ministry together. (laughs) It it, it makes sense to me knowing that you saw that model growing up that people could be married and be in these egalitarian relationships with each other. But unfortunately, that is still so rare, both within the church and outside of the church, to see couples being able to work together in healthy ways, to see husbands supporting their wives and vice versa. So talk to us a little bit about that. How did you all get into this ministry game together? Ooh, good question. Good question. Um, so, I mean, in terms of, like, models, I'm always, like, super grateful for just Andrew's 
family upbringing. I think his mom is like a total like rock star. Like she is um, someone who like I think before it was trendy had chosen to just use her maiden name, even though she's been married for like thirty plus years and really like had a separate identity. And I don't know if you want to talk about that. Like you know, for me as Andrew's wife, there were certain things that I never even really had to have a conversation with him about because his norm was set by how his parents lived their lives. And so just certain mm-hmm. things that, like, other men, you know, wouldn't have a category for in their mind. Like, like his parents did that work before I ever met him, you know? And I, I don't know if you want to speak to that, but. Yeah. Uh, so my my, my mom, um, Jenny Burnett, uh, it, I, I don't know, something about going up black, saying your parents' first name still feels a little funny, even when you're grown. <laughs> But, but uh, at, at any rate, um, you know, she was and, and remains my most significant um, theological uh, conversation partner in some ways. That's, that's obviously a transition now, now that, that Gabby and I are together. But certainly then it was a, a incredibly formative. And when I think about their relationship, my mom and my dad, and just seeing how my mom kind of moved through the world, um, I think it really laid a clear uh, foundation for me um, of how they could, of, of what it could look like for me to do that kind of work. And so seeing um, both my mom and, and dad uh, serve as, uh, as physicians, as eye doctors, see them both make commitments to make sure that um, they serve all kinds of folks, um, whether it's folks who um, come through publicly supported ways or people who come through, you know, privately uh, furnished ways to get medicine. And uh, that commitment to um, compassion at home necessarily meaning a concern for public health and justice in, in particular, uh, and those being like, you know, non-negotiable expressions of what, you know, you imperfectly try to have faith look like. I, I'd say those are um, the kind of heirlooms that I value the most that, that my parents have given me. And I, I think it's important to say we kind of fell into doing ministry together. Like, we never, like, sat down and were like, it would be great to minister together. We actually, um, when we graduated from college, we went two di- we were together as a couple, but we went two different pathways. Andrew went to seminary, and I actually, the way I got to New York was by um, moving here to do a master's at NYU in music business. And so my world was kind of like music and entertainment, and his world was like theology and later policy, and never the two really met. Like, we, we would support each other. He would come to my shows and come to my events. I would come, you know, hear him preach. I would come to lectures or town halls or whatever with him. And, and really for um, all of our dating relationship and the first few years of our marriage, we were in completely different careers. Um, and it really wasn't until we were, um, we were both at um, our cathedral in Queens um, and our pastors are a co-pastoring model at that church. And so um, the pastors there are Floyd and Elaine Flake, and they're a husband and wife duo that pastor together. Um, and so we were at that church. I was a layperson, and Andrew had just graduated seminary and was there on um, staff. And long story short, at a particular point, um, an opportunity opened up for new leadership for the young adults of the church. 
and our pastors asked us to take it on together. And that was really my first time being asked to do anything formally in ministry, and the ask came directly from our pastors um, for us to occupy this together. And because it was a church that had already seen a male-female co-pastor model for 30-plus years, it wasn't uncommon to that church for a husband and wife duo to serve together. And so I think what's really cool about just kind of how God worked in our stories is that, like, I think God just continually put people in our path where that was it was normative for um, couples to be able to work together if they so chose, so that by the time it got to us, you know, much of our decision-making was just around kind of what we wanted to do. We didn't really have that extra layer of um, being afraid to work together as a couple because we'd seen it work for so many folks. And it really wasn't until we were in it that so many people thought it was um, – surprising that we worked together because, you know, for us, it was just us moving in whatever was the next phase and the next chapter of our lives. And, you know, once we got into it, we found our groove. And so when we started this new church, um, we made an intentional decision to, to minister together and to pastor together with this new church. Um, but the start was kind of just like a bunch of different roads winding together and um, landing at a really good place that, that made sense. What, what I think is also just uh, an important thing to say just, just quickly is that um, a, a good friend of mine talks, uh, who pastors in, in, in New York as well, a lot about the importance of identity and differentiation at the same time. Uh, and a part of what I think that means um, is having a, a clear sense of solidarity uh, as a couple, um, whether you're in ministry or, or whether folks are, are doing other things in concert with each other. Um, but also alongside solidarity, have a sense of, of solitude and, you know, kind of what we were talking about, loving oneself and connecting to God uh, assertively and in ways that are tailored to our personality uh, individually. And, and in doing so, that kind of solitude, I think, deepens the solidarity. And when we're together, that also enriches our uh, alone time as well. Great. Thank you so much for sharing about that. So, I guess we have already transitioned over. We would love to hear about the double love experience in Brooklyn, New York. Can you tell us more about the vision behind that new congregation that you all have begun? Absolutely. Uh, So the name, uh, which is where we kind of like to start, the double love experience comes from what is sometimes called the double love commandment in scripture. Uh, So when, um, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John kind of synopsis the Gospels each tell a story where someone comes to Jesus and effectively inquires, you know, what's this religion business all about? Uh, and then Jesus responds um, that the primary matter is to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength. Uh, and then there's also this other dimension, which is it's kind of like the first one, uh, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and so connecting these you know, golden threads of, 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 of black Christian faith, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. We um, really had a passion, a vision to establish a, a faith community in Brooklyn uh, where so much is, um, you know, kind of uh, gentrifying. So many black cultural institutions are um, being dislocated. You know, we had a kind of a passion to want to uh, start something there and had, had done some 
uh, and have had some relationships and connections there. And so uh, that's what, where the name comes from. The vision is really to just have a sense of um, walking out that um, loving God, loving neighbor command that Jesus gives, that double love command, uh, you know, right here in, in, in New York City. All right. Double love experience with Pastor Gabby and Pastor Andrew. Well, 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 well. Double the love, double the fun. And we are so, first of all, grateful that you all have joined us. And just as a closing piece, one, we want you to share uh, all of the ways that people can get into contact with you all, share all of the things that's upcoming for Double Love and for you all, where can people find you. And, um, Gabby, you have a way of doing these life nuggets. And so if you could give us a life nugget for us about the balancing act between work and ministry, um, not work and ministry, love and ministry, marriage and ministry, and the ministry of marriage, um, just drop a good Gabby life nugget for us as we close. Only on Just Two Pearls <laughs> will I be asked to give a DC life nugget on command. You know, it takes a long time for those to percolate, ladies. But I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to do what I can. Um, I would say that um, if you find yourself working with your partner professionally, um, it's really, really important to not let those roles bleed into each other, right? So. Andrew is my husband first um, and my co-pastor second. And whenever we have children, he will be my husband first, the father of my children second, and then co-pastor. And I think it's really important that even when the work that you do is together, that that work does not become your marriage. Because if whatever your work is for us as a church. If the church was like the be-all, end-all of our marriage, if all of our downtime went into double love, if all of our personal time, if all of our friendships were tied to folks that we needed to better the, the mission of the church, if everything that we did was centered around this work, you know, the church would stand, but our marriage would really just be the church. And um, I don't think that's what God intends. So, um, so I would just say that um, make sure that if you end up working professionally with your significant other, make sure that you still carve out time to just be a couple and to just do the things that you love. For Andrew and me, when we were working at our last church, one of the things that we would do is uh, every now and again we have to be like, okay, no church, no church conversation right now. You know, we're not planning this right now. We're not doing this right now, we're just, it's just us, you know, and every now and again, you kind of have to do that because, like, we're in a society where you never turn, busyness never stops, like, your emails will always come in, text messages will always come in, needs will always happen, and if you're not careful, like, you'll just be business partners forever and kind of forget the intimacy of your, of your relationship, so, so I would, I would say that. Um, in terms of what to plug, please, please, please shout from the rooftops that our next worship service is on Easter Sunday at 5 p.m. in Brooklyn, New York, and the address is 388 Atlantic Avenue. We are so, so excited about this worship service. Uh, I mean, Resurrection Sunday on the Christian calendar is like, it's like the Super Bowl of Christianity, like it's, 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 
you know, it's it's that time where everyone comes together and celebrates who God is to us, and we're so excited to be having a service on that day. It's at 5 o'clock p.m., so, you know, if people have um, traditional houses of worship where they worship with their family or their friends, Please go to those houses of worship in the morning, get some brunch or, or have Easter dinner, and then come worship with us uh, on Easter Sunday, Sunday, April 21st in Brooklyn, New York. That is where our hearts and our heads are right now. We are planning for it and so excited about it. And um, for folks who want to follow this um, new church start that we are in the process of journeying with, um, please follow us on Instagram at Double Love Experience. You can visit our website at www.doubleloveexperience.org. You can follow us on Twitter at Double Love NYC. Don't laugh at our Twitter numbers. We're growing. Our Twitter numbers need to come up a little bit. So follow us on Twitter for real, for real. IG is moving faster than Twitter, so we can use y'all's help on that. And then on Facebook, it's just Double Love Experience. But um, we are a new church. We are meeting once every three months for our worship services. And so we've had two incredible ones, one in October, one in January. Our next one is Easter Sunday. And we're just really excited about all all that God is doing um, in the community that we're serving. We're meeting so many new people. We're having so many amazing conversations. Worship services have been spirit-filled, and we're just, like, blown away by what God is doing. And we get to do it together, which is, like, the added benefit and plus. So um, please, please, please uh, make sure you um, make sure you check it out. And uh, we also just got word that we're going to be featured in Essence again on an Essence article um, about uh, love and ministry. Uh, basically. So that's coming out um, any day now. So look out for that too. And I uh, I know you all already interviewed uh, Reverend Andrew Wilkes on Freedom Notes, but we're going to plug that again. Make sure you have a copy of Freedom Notes. Get your own copy of Freedom Notes. Listen to the Just Two Pearls podcast about Freedom Notes. And uh, yeah, I think that's all my plugins. But um, we're excited and we're just so uh, honored to be with you all on your podcast today. Thank you all so much for having us. It is a signal honor to be on Just Two Pearls. I count myself having a high 2019. To be on Just Two Pearls uh, once more is the Lord smiling richly upon me. (laughs) Well, thank you all so much. We have loved hearing about your love story. We have loved hearing about the way that you all partner together in ministry. I'm so glad to hear it ain't toxic. It ain't green leaf out here in these streets. We don't need any more of that. <laughs> uh, you know, love the representation, but we don't need that. Uh, so I'm glad that you all are finding that balance in your lives, and thank you for teaching us how to find that balance at, as well. And when uh, we say you all are superheroes for being able to do the work that you do, you really are. We love you for your commitment to black folks for your commitment to showing us that millennials can be married and happy and keep it together um, for the ways that you all are both intellectuals and for the ways that you are able to connect with the people and build connections. That is truly a gift from God. And so we will be looking out for that next Double Love Experience worship service on Easter Sunday in Brooklyn. 
All right, awesome. We are so glad that we were able to have our dear colleagues and friends, pastors, Andrew and Gabby Wilkes with us on this episode of Just Two Pearls. But you know, before we close this thing out, I think we need to do a little bit of petty. And Andrew and Gabby pastor a church called the Double Love Experience, and they've really blessed us with this knowledge about that double love commandment. And so I think in honor of the way we double love y'all, we should do a double dose of petty pearls. So I think I should do one and Portia should do one. I know we are spoiling y'all. We will not continue to do this all year long. But I think uh, just in honor of, of Gabby and Andrew, maybe we should do double the petty. What do you think, Portia? Double the petty, double the fun. <laughs> when you got two pearls, you can't just have just one. Right on. So shall you go first or uh, should I go ahead and take us off? Jamie, I love your petty pearls. So I want all the gigs and giggles. Please amuse me. Well, you know, Portia, earlier uh, when you were talking about Gabby and Andrew's church, you were uh, talking about how people could hear you talking back on the live stream. And I was really thinking about that in light of our experience, both being Divinity School grads. We went to Yale Divinity School, y'all. We don't really talk about that on the podcast, but we be knowing And so one of the things that we'd be knowing is that liturgy, that's what you do in church, the liturgy, liturgy literally means the work of the people. And so when you go to church, it's not just about you enjoying the worship music. It's not just about you thinking the preaching is good. It's not just about you thinking sister so-and-so is good at saying those prayers. It's not just about you putting your little dollar in the offering plate. It's about the work that you do when you show up. So it's not just the job of whoever's in front to put on a performance for you. It is a ministry experience. The church cannot be the church without you putting in some work. And so when Portia was talking about this call and response that she does with the preacher, which is so true to the black experience, and that's part of the reason why black preachers preach the way that we do, it just reminded me, you know what's petty, Portia? It is petty when people show up to church and are not willing to do their work. And y'all know what I mean by that. What I mean is you sitting there and expecting to be entertained. That is not the work of the church. What I mean is you sitting there and expecting others to do things for you. That is not the work of the church. What I mean is when you show up to the dinner or the potluck or whatever it is that y'all have in your house of worship, and you don't want to help with setup, you don't want to help with cleanup, you don't want to bring nothing, you don't want to talk to nobody, you just want to fill up your stomach and leave. That is not the work of the church, and it's petty. And in 2019, Jamie says, we ain't going to do that no more because the church doesn't work unless you do, boo-boo. So when you go to worship, you support your pastor. You don't talk trash about your pastor. You support your pastor. When the music team, when they just don't hit that note quite right, you be blessed anyhow. When sister so-and-so doesn't cook the dish that you like, well, you know what? Next time maybe you could step up and help and you would have something in there that you like. So why don't you do your work? Why don't you show up and be part of the experience? Doing anything less is petty. Portia, what you got, girl? Girl. Girl. Okay, you know what? I would love in the future for us to have a Petty Pearl edition episode called That Ain't the Work of the Church, 
okay? Coming to a Just Too Pro episode near you. It's coming. Jamie and I didn't even talk about it yet. This is impromptu. I believe it's the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So <laughs> the work, that ain't the work of the church. You want to know what else ain't the work of the church? Jamie, tell me, girl. Tell me. Let, let me tell y'all. What is not the work of the church, okay? Not the work of the church is when you know good and well. Now, let me tell you something. Sister so-and-so, Sister Bertha, Sister Hedda May, and Brother Billy and Brother Bishop, who, you know, I appreciate the encouragement of the saints. However, there are moments when they just want to fatten you up with love, with all of they butterball biscuits and all of the cakes and cookies and ice creams and all the things that they know I do not need to be eating. And they got the nerve to tell me on Sunday that I need to lose some weight. Well, if you stop giving me the cake, maybe, just maybe, I stop eating the cake and I can lose some weight. But how do you expect me to lose some weight if you're giving me the cakes, the cookies, and the brownies on Sunday? So let me just say, I love your sister. I love your brother. But if you want your pastor to be well and whole, don't always feed us the stuff that is not good for us. And our dentists take notice, too. But, um, but I digress. Uh, so, yes, we love, we love, 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 love your support. We appreciate and adore you. But we don't want the cakes. We don't want the cookies. We don't want the sweets. If you're going to talk about us, that's all I got to say. Because people want to talk about the pastor, how you need to lose some weight, how we got. Not now. Let me just say, it ain't just me. It's everybody. I got all kinds of stories. My coach college talk about all the time. I said, can you believe, child? So, Sister Hattie Mae, that ain't the work of the church, boo-boo. Feed, but feed spiritually. Spread the word to the ends of the earth, not to the end of my belt. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. We'll talk to you next time, Pearl. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at just 2 Pearls. And you can email us at adventures at just2pearls.com. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.